Let's get it underway for a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's always good. Weekend is uh, now on the down hood, uh, downhill ride. Uh, I don't know about you, but coming in today, it was a gorgeous Hunter's Moon out. Uh, it's the only one, the last one we'll see this year. Biggest, the moon looks at its biggest right now uh, in the sky. Uh, because it is the closest to the earth that it will be. And uh, the reflection of the sun off of the moon gave it the look of like there was a tangerine hanging in the sky this morning. And I'm, I'm checking it out, and I wish that I could have stopped on the river bridge. I wouldn't dare right now with all the work that's going on. You end up getting killed. But there was a great photo opportunity this morning of the hunter's moon just hanging in the sky next to the capitol it looked like it was right next to the capitol it was uh, it would have made a great picture it was uh, absolutely beautiful but that was kind of nice to see this morning i thought i was going to miss it uh, because uh, when i came home last night uh, from the classic movie it was still cloudy the uh, thunderstorms had moved through the area, but it was still cloudy, and uh, you couldn't see the moon. I don't know what the moon rise time was last night, but uh, the set was just about, uh, oh, 5.35, I guess, this morning. So uh, kind, of, kind of interesting to see that today. So that was uh, gorgeous. And then last night, of course, we had uh, thunderstorm move from the north through the south. It's kind of a different way for him to move. Usually it doesn't happen that way, but uh, it dropped down from in Missouri, came down, and you could just watch it. It exploded right before it got to Cabot. It's coming down the, the, you know, down the state, and then boom. Now, I left the house to go to the classic movie at about 6.10 to be there by... Uh, seven o'clock and it hadn't started raining by the time i got to the theater i checked my uh, camera out on my uh, driveway from icu and it was pouring down rain so i felt sorry for my dog dexter does not take well to you know thunder and lightning storms he hates them and uh, he was uh, hanging i'm sure uh, in the corner where i sit on the recliner and was uh, all huddled down in a little ball right there while things were shaking and 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 the rain was a falling and you could hear it outside when i went on the camera you could hear it i could it's my camera's got microphones too which allows you to hear if somebody's saying something from uh the driveway or the porch or uh you can talk to them from your phone to them on the porch or on the driveway like hey who are you anyway um, bottom line was that uh, 
it was it really rained. It poured down rain. And then uh, we were sitting and watching the movie, and just about the time it went from black and white to color, or the serpentine color it is, the kind of serp, serpa color, the brown color that the Wizard of Oz is at the beginning, uh, and then Dorothy opens the door of the house and enters into the land of Oz, and it turns into those beautiful colors that you see on the movie. Uh, boom! A <laughs> big thunder uh, out from outside and all through the theater here. Woo! <laughs> Everybody knew that the thunderstorm had arrived here in uh, in Little Rock. I heard uh, Steve Marston, who's the morning man over on the fish, talking to Heidi and saying that they had, you know, all kinds of power you know spikes last night and they lost power last night luckily the uh, the Trabs were playing in wichita so they had great uh beautiful weather for the ball game and you'll hear about that later during the show we'll play a a recap of the game with uh with stephen davis the voice of the the Trabs, a little later on here in the show all right so lots going on out there in the wonderful world of uh of of talk and I, I've got to. I've got to talk. I wish I had the audio. I don't have the audio. But yesterday, Senator Hawley was in a in a meeting, and he had a lawyer uh, from some prestigious ivory tower think tank, and they were talking about uh, pregnancy, and uh, he asked the uh, the witness. As far as uh, pregnancy went and giving birth, he says, now you're talking about women, right? And uh, she she looked at him and, well, hold on, let me, I'm trying to pull it up. I'll try to pull the exchange up here and I can read about it. A Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on abortion and the legal consequence of the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization blew up during a tense back and forth between Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, he's a Republican from Missouri, and Berkeley Law Professor Kira Bridges. When the senator questioned her characterization of who can get pregnant. After Bridges referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. I love that. People with a capacity uh, for pregnancy. It's like now you don't say mother. You say birthing person. Uh, Hawley asked if she meant women. And when the professor stated that some women cannot get pregnant. And that some transgender men and non-binary people can, Hawley questioned whether abortion is really a women's rights issue as it has historically been presented. And that led the professor to accuse Hawley of creating a dangerous situation with this question. Now, to understand this, to understand why this law professor would say that, the left says that language can be violence. They believe that words can be just as uh, detrimental to somebody as if you shot them with a gun or punched them in the face. They say words are violence, not can 
be like violence. They, you know, in other words, we're making an kind of an example. You can hurt somebody's feelings. No, that's not what they mean. They mean violence, violence, as in the definition of violence, doing harm to a person, physical harm to a person. And uh, this is what this Berkeley Law professor said, quote, I want to recognize that your line of questioning is transphobic and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing them, said Bridges. And she teaches courses in family law as well as reproductive rights and justice. Quote, this is from Holly now. While you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the only folks who can get pregnant, Holly said. Bridges responded by stating that one in five transgender people have attempted to commit suicide. Look, that's a smokescreen for what they were talking about. All right. They weren't talking about suicide or anything like that. She brought that up, uh, I guess, as a way of saying, see, your words are violence. Didn't say it that way, but that's what she's alluding to when she says then one out of every five transgender people are trying to kill themselves. And Holly says back to her, because of my line of questioning, so we can't even talk about it? Bridges said Hawley was causing a problem, quote, by denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. The Republican senator questioned, I don't think that that's what the senator was saying. I think that what the senator was saying is that uh, they might be transgender, but it still doesn't mean that, they're, that they are truly a woman. Because they're not. All right. They are they are or a man. They are a woman. That's the reason they can get pregnant. I've yet to see a man get pregnant. Uh, the Republican senator questioned the idea that he was denying that trans people exist by asking a question about women getting pregnant. So Bridges then offered Hawley a test. And this is what happened. She said, do you believe that men can get pregnant? She asked. And Holly looked and said, no, I don't think men can get pregnant. Leading Bridges to state that what that means is that he denies the existence of trans people. And that leads to violence, Holly asked incredulously. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Or are they also treated like this where they're told that they're opening up people to violence by questioning? Bridges said she and her students have a good time in her law school class and suggested Hawley come see for himself. And he said, you should join. You might learn a lot, the professor said. And he said that, wow. I'd learn a lot. I've learned a lot just from this exchange. So this, this is like, again, I go back and I always bring up this book when, we're, when we get into these kinds of discussions. And that's 1984. Words do not have meaning 
The semantics are changed by the left. The left says that a woman who thinks she is a man is not a woman. She is a man, and thus, because of that, a man can get pregnant, even though the only reason why, quote, the man could get pregnant is because he's got all of the plumbing of a woman. This is asking you to repeat a lie and believe it. This is a lie. We know it's a lie. Biology teaches us it's a lie. Just because you think you're something does not make you that something. I mean, we've gone through this a million times here on this show. You can stand in your garage and say you're a car. And you might think you're a car, but it does not make you a car physically. Just as a woman can say, I'm a man, but it does not physically make her a man. She still got double X chromosome, doesn't have XY. All right, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. They want you at that point to deny science, number one, deny your own two good eyes, number two, and number three, they want you to deny what you know absolutely is the truth and to state that you now believe a falsehood. This is dangerous stuff. This is dangerous stuff that it actually is being stated in front of a Senate committee as gospel should tell you the problems that we have in our nation. 15, 20 years ago, this professor would have been laughed out of her profession. All right, got to get our first break in for today. 20 minutes after uh, 6. But there's still more that we, we need to talk about this. I mean, there's no doubt. If this is if this is the way things are going to be, people are going to be able to say they're anything, and the law is, even though it goes against completely goes against every law of science and biology, is going to have to uh, throw their arms around it. And uh, you think that things are crazy now? Think about what how crazy things would get. Don't forget about East End Towing. Uh, don't be crazy if you're stuck on the side of the highway. All right. Let me give you some truth here. Uh, You call East End Towing, they're going to take good care of you. Uh, If uh, your car breaks down, they'll come take good care of you. Uh, If it's uh, your trailer that's broke down, and thus you have to pull over the side of the road, they'll come out and take care of the trailer or the the trailer of the boat, etc., etc. They will make sure that they get uh, you off the side of the road. Uh, they know what to do if you happen to break down on private property. They, they know what to do if it's just your vehicle. Like I said, they know what to do if it's a trailer. They know what to do if, if it's a mobile home or, or it's a, a, you know, your camper or whatever that you're pulling before uh, behind your car. So uh, who do you call? Well, you call East End Towing, 501-888-8849. That's a 501-888-8849. 8849 put that in your cell phone right now 
Well, not if you're driving down the road. All right. But as soon as you get someplace where you can stop and do it, put it in your phone so that you'll have it in your phone. And all you got to do is pull it up, hit it, and get a hold of them. That's East End Towing. To finish up this story, Holly uh, sent out a, a tweet last night. I happen to be on his uh, Twitter list. So I get his tweets. I get AOCs. I get Waters. I get a lot of different tweets from different uh, politicals. And made this statement, quote, the Democrats say what they really think. Men can get pregnant, and if you disagree, you are transphobic and responsible for violence. That's what he tweeted last night. In fact, it was because as I came out of the theater last night, uh, that, uh, that tweet was up, said I had something from Holly, and I looked at it. And uh, there it was. So I went back to find out what all had gone down and uh, checked it out. And it, it's, it, it, uh, it really does, you know, just blow past all logic. It really does. And science and biology. I mean, sci- biology is a science, so I'm, I'm uh, repeating myself there. But the bottom line is they have taken things that are true and twisted them and have made them false. And get used to this. Uh, the World Health Organization just got involved in all of this, and I'll bring that up here in just a few moments. But before we get to, to that, let me uh, tell everybody thanks who came out to the, the classic movie last night over at Riverdale 10. We had about 120 people there. We were about, I guess, eight, ten seats from being totally sold out for The Wizard of Oz, made back in the great year of 1939. Great movies came out in 1939. It's considered probably one of the golden years of uh, movies because you had The Wizard of Oz, you had uh, Gone with the Wind and other great movies that all came out that particular year. And, uh, you know, a lot of people flocked to the movie theaters to see these motion pictures. And it's just, and, and the way you tell a great, great motion picture like The Wizard of Oz is, made in 1939, it's almost 100 years old now. And uh, it still holds up today. Completely held up today. Took my five-year-old grandson to see it. And I thought, he's never seen this movie. He hadn't seen it on television. They don't show it on TV as much now as they used to. I remember when I was a kid, they showed it on every Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving evening... Uh, you could sit down as a family and watch The, the Wizard of Oz. And uh, I, I think probably just about every Thanksgiving we, uh, we did that. I mean, that's why NBC showed Heidi. Remember the Heidi Bowl? <laughs> with, the, with the football game was on with the Raiders and the Jets. And they broke away from it. And they went to Heidi. And then... Uh, you know, Oakland came back and won that ball game, and people just went absolutely ballistic. So now they don't break away from sporting events; they just start the programming after uh, the uh, the football game or whatever sporting event it is is over. But anyway, 
uh, that's just a little history for everybody that wasn't alive during that time. I happened to be alive at that time. And, uh, you know, used to watch it. And I saw it on television many times before I ever saw it on the big screen. And when I saw it on the big screen, it was really something. I, I do remember that. So I took my grandson to see it the first time just the way he would have done it if he had been alive in 1939 and went to the movies and for the first time saw this movie on the big screen now uh, his his pop i'm his pop i'm his granddad he calls me pop and uh, i've taken him to all the movies he's been to thus far because i'm a big movie goer and i'm putting that love in him too All right, don't forget about Pat Davis and how he'll save you money on your health insurance, 30 to 50%. He'll cut out all those co-pays. You'll not have to pay another co-pay. When you go see the doctor, you go in, see the doctor. You don't pony up $25, $50, $75, $100, $100.25 in some cases for specialists to get in to see the doctor. you know, before you even walk into the doctor's office. Nope, that'll be all taken care of, and it will go the way of the dodo bird. The other thing, deductibles. Your deductibles will be brought down. You won't be spending money for your health insurance, and maybe you're getting by on a really nice uh, amount of money. Maybe it's only you know five hundred a month or six hundred dollars a month for your health insurance, but you got a deductible of eight or ten thousand dollars, which means you got to you know you've got to do the eight to ten thousand dollars out of your own pocket before your health insurance even kicks in. Uh, no more of that. Uh, you'll be worked with with Pat Davis to keep that from happening. You'll even get checks back at times from the health providers because you've saved them money by doing whatever you did about going in and getting a, a test or whatever. And the company, uh, the insurance company says, well, we pay this much money for the test. Uh, you, you didn't spend that much money, so we give we give you the difference not the hospital not the doctor not the insurance company that money they give you uh that money so uh talk to pat find out how this can work for you 501-605-6935 one more time 501-605-6935 you can talk to pat talk to one of his associates They can all explain this to you and walk you through it, show you how you can save money. Some people save $5,000 a year by switching on their uh, health insurance. And by the way, you can choose any provider in the nation and still have this program work for you. And then uh, if you don't want to call and you just want to do it over, uh, you know, the Internet, yourhealthplanman.com, yourhealthplanman.com. Uh.com. All right, a story coming out that occurred the other night on uh, July 11th, 7-11 day. And on 7-11 day, 7-11s give out free Slurpees. If you didn't know that, well, next year you'll have it uh, firmly in your gray matter and go get yourself a Slurpee. You know, you can get one that's a... I like cherry and I like cola. Anyway, police are searching for a suspect allegedly connected to six robberies at 7-Elevens in Southern California 
that occurred early Monday on 7-11 day that left two dead and three injured. The robberies and shootings were in Ontario, Upland, Riverside, La Habra, or La Habra, uh, Bray, and Santa Ana, cities all near the Los Angeles area. The uh, shootings happened on National 7-Eleven Day when customers can receive a free Slurpee at the 7-Eleven convenience stores. Uh, there was a young man that was 40 years old, had just kicked drugs, had gotten himself straight, had gotten a uh, job at, overnight at 7-Eleven and ended up being shot at 4 o'clock in the morning, and they took his life. And then uh, you had other people that got shot. Uh, you had uh, all kinds of young guys. Another uh, man, Matthew Rule, was 24. He was found dead outside a Santa Ana location. He didn't even work at the store. He must have just stopped in to grab something uh, early in the morning. The shooting started around midnight and continued for the next five hours. The first robbery was in Ontario, then less than an hour later, a store in Upland was robbed, and an hour after that, a gunman shot and gravely wounded a customer in Riverside while robbing a store. Rule was shot and killed outside a Santa Ana store about 3.20 a.m., and then less than an hour later, Hirsch was shot and killed, and less than an hour after that, two more people were injured at a store in La Habra. In surveillance images, the suspect is seen wearing a mask, a hood, and a black sweatshirt with white lettering. Hopefully, they'll catch this guy. Now, what is 7-Eleven telling uh, their uh, their owners to do in, in that area? Because, uh, you know, individual people own 7-Elevens. And uh, they're telling them to, uh, you know, when it starts getting dark, shut down your stores. Uh, in fact, they told them to shut them down yesterday and now again today because of the increase in violence in the L.A. area. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about this. And as I read stories at times, it, it draws my attention back to, you know, when I was younger and things were happening here in the country. And so I'm going to ask some of you who uh are uh you know in your 60s like i am if you remember when you were like in your early 40s maybe late 30s uh you may remember there was a big uh, argument over supermarkets and uh, fast food uh, restaurants and things not building in areas and urban areas that were crime ridden you remember this and they said if you weren't doing that they said you were redlining it's a form of you know it it basically uh, deals with real estate more than it deals with building a building but uh, they called it redlining that what these companies would do is they'd say we'll build stores anywhere in the city except the areas that we've got that red line around this place and that place. And they, people started looking at it and noticing that it was in, uh, you know, uh, urban areas that were full of people of color. 
And because of that, they said it, it was a racist thing that they weren't building in those areas. And guess what? That's not what it was about. It wasn't then. It's not now. It's a safety thing. Uh, when the people in certain areas uh, are more violent than in other areas, and it's proven out by how many you know murders, robberies, burglaries, things that you have, rapes, all those type of things, and you say, you know, this is a dangerous area. Why would we want to open here and take the chance that, you know, like down south in um, Arkansas here, I think it was Texarkana, uh, that the guy broke into the uh, steakhouse down there and murdered all uh, you know all the workers of that steakhouse after uh, closing hours. Uh, why would you you know want to deal with that if it was a if it was a like a daily occurrence in those areas? So they weren't doing it, and they got sued, and they lost big money. Now my question is: Are we going to go back to the same thing here? Now, we've got a guy, in this case, it's just one story, okay, one story. But I'd be interested to know what the uh, uh, the violence rate was in these areas of these communities. And if you're deciding, uh, you know, you want to you know, go out and open up a, a store, let's say, you know, just for argument, a Chick-fil-A, and uh, you want to open it, would you not look and make sure that it was a safe area that you wanted to build in? That you you wouldn't build in in a crime-ridden area? Now, granted, I'm going to tell you what, that, uh, you know, bringing business back to the inner city has to happen if we're to save the inner city. And it's not going to completely decay. We've known this since back in the 60s. And they they do all kinds of tax uh, credits and uh, forgiveness and all kinds of things uh, for people to build. And still people sometimes won't build. I mean, we've had the discussion here on the show just recently about uh, evidently when the uh, General Assembly gets together again uh, next year in January. They're going to look at offering tax rebates to businesses uh, to uh, hire felons coming out of uh, prison because a lot of businesses don't want to hire felons, <coughs> even though they've done their time. I mean, if they've robbed stores or they've, uh, you know, embezzled money and things of that nature, do you want to be the store that takes the chance that, you know, they learned their lesson and they're not going to do it? Now, somewhere along the line, you, we've got to give these people a chance or if they can't get a job uh, that pays enough to take care of them, they're going to end up turning back to a life of crime probably. So, they're, you know, you get that all of that to be dealt with but that that is a you know a two-edged very very sharp sh- uh, sword about wanting to do good but also having uh, using logic saying do i want to put myself in that position
Well, it's the same thing if you're going to build and you're going to put your your hard-earned money and your future finances behind a, a business. Are you going to build in an area where crime is not rampant or are you going to build where crime is rampant? And if you decide not to build in those areas, you know, that you're going to have uh, a problem of you're going to get a self-fulfilling prophecy because uh, crime will go up because that's the only way some people see of being able to get out. The key is, is we can't fall back on the easy argument that the people who say they're not going to uh, put up their money their financial futures to build in a crime-ridden area is because they're racist, which in most cases is not the case. Most of the time, it's all about, hell, I don't want to build someplace where I'm going to get robbed all the time. It makes sense to me. So let's kind of, I'm just bringing this up so you can kind of just keep this in mind and see if we start hearing, uh, you know, the NAACP and some other uh, folks start yelling about how companies do not invest in the inner cities any longer. Um, I saw where uh, Starbucks is closing down several of their, uh, their stores in Seattle and Portland. Uh, Seattle and Portland, in Portland, Oregon because of crime and they've been robbed several times in portland they've been firebombed so why keep doing it why beat your head against the wall go somewhere else where you don't have to worry about that all right coming up further into the show today uh in the next hour uh beginning the hour we'll be talking to congressman french hill from district number two and we'll talk to him, and we got a lot of things to talk about. We can talk to him about the January 6th uh, meeting that's going on there in Congress. And, you know, I watched some of that yesterday. I've kind of kept away from it because I knew it was a, a production, so to speak. And Lord help me, it just amazes me. It is. It's, it's like watching what I was told when I was younger about how the Soviets used to put people up on trial. And uh, and you didn't have your own lawyer basically there, and you didn't have due process or nothing, and uh, and people could just come in and say things about this happened and that happened, and it's all hearsay. And then they uh, they say, see, that person was guilty of it, and now we're deciding on whether we're going to go in and and try to destroy their political career or whatever it is that uh, their their bottom line is at the end. We'll talk about this with uh, Congressman Hill in in just a moment. All right, it's Dave Ellswick show. You stick with me. We've got some more things to talk about. Uh, I want to tell you about David Lucas and how he can help you buy gold and silver. Right now, you should have about fifteen percent of precious metals in your uh, nest egg. Uh, to protect against inflation uh, that's going on in our country. And we're going to find out about the Consumer Price Index later today. We'll have somebody on tomorrow to talk about it from Americans for Prosperity at 635 in the morning, and you won't want to miss that. But uh, anyway, 
millions of Americans now are going, okay, I'm hearing about gold and silver and that I need to have some, about 15% in my nest egg. How do I get it? Well, if you don't know how to get it, don't know how to buy it, don't know where to buy it at, let me highly suggest that you talk to David Lucas Financial. I've known David Lucas for years. He used he started out by just being a, a person on my power panel. And I had him on because this is what he talked about all the time. And I wanted his expertise on the power panel. And so here he is now with this uh, big company that he's got going over in North Little Rock, David Lucas Financial. And if you'll call them at 501-222-3315, that's uh, 501-222-3315, uh, he will teach you about buying silver and gold because uh, you'll learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets. So if you want to know, call him. 501-222-3315. They work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country. So you get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. Learn more, again, about buying silver and gold and call David Lucas Financial today. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, don't forget, after the top of the hour news, uh, we will be joined by Congressman French Hill from District 2. And then at uh, 7.35, we'll be joined by phone uh, by uh, District 4 Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman. He'll be on with us. And I got to talk to both of them about this. Uh, uh, if You know, they both sit on committees as well. Uh Congressman Hill for banking, mostly, and then uh, Congressman Westerman for uh, natu- natural resources. Now he told us he, he he's been getting some crazy stuff in these uh, uh, committee meetings. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they had a big meeting about wild cats because of uh, that Netflix dude about uh, the tiger man, the tiger guy, and the lady, and all of that stuff that went on over there in Oklahoma uh they had he says you couldn't you could you couldn't make up the stories that they were hearing and so uh, we'll talk a little bit about that with him and how they deal with this stuff i mean how how can you set up uh, being a, a senator okay and now senator um, westerman he's got his degree uh from an ivy league school in forestry I mean, he sits up there and he listens to some of the, you know, the craziest hokum that you you got to sit up and listen to. Stuff that, as you listen to it, you know that it's BS. And you say, well, Dave, how does he know it's BS? Well, if it looks like BS and it smells like BS and it steams like a pile of BS, it probably is BS. And when it goes through against all logic of, uh, of science, then you know it's BS. But these guys uh, that, are, that are serving up in Congress now, it's like they can't call BS BS. If you do, if, for instance, and it's, it's dealing with uh, gender identity stuff, which is, I'm just telling you, a lot of that is nothing more than uh, 
scientific gobbledygook, uh, you know, that some people have made up to find themselves a brand new place to go and, and mine money. I mean, I, I, I'd have I would have more respect for these people. If they said, I'm I'm arguing this point because I'm getting paid for it. I'd have more respect for that than they would than if they said, "Well, I really believe that a woman who thinks she's a man is really a man, and that it's now a man that's getting pregnant." Uh, no, no, that's just not not true. So anyway, we're going to get into it uh, here in the next hour. Uh, a Florida homeowner will quote absolutely not unquote face charges after firing an AK-47 style gun at suspected home invaders. Three guys break into this guy's house. He goes to pull a a gun. Evidently it's a crime ridden area because the guy's walking around his house and he's got a gun in uh, in his pants, you know, there in his belt. And he dropped the gun and so he runs to his bedroom and gets his AK-45 style uh, uh, rifle and engages these guys who also were armed. He shot two of them. He shot one guy in the head. The guy lived. And the sheriff says, we're not going to charge him. He was protecting his house. Thank you. That is firm logic. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll take a break. Got more coming your way right after the news. Second hour, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, this is our weekly visit uh, with uh, Congressman uh, French Hill from District 2 and Congressman Bruce Westerman, District 4 here in Arkansas. I, I really think, I, I hope that you understand that this is really great stuff that these uh, two uh, congressmen do with us because they keep you up to date on what's going on uh, in Washington. We talk about, uh, you know, different bills that are being looked at and different issues that are being talked about. And it's always good to hear from them directly what they think about it and uh, perhaps how they're going to vote on legislation and things of that nature. And the way you keep a a country running and running uh, correctly is to be informed and 
How better to get informed and to hear from the horse's mouth what's going on? So let's start off with Congressman French Hill. Uh, he, of course, from District 2. And Congressman, again, thanks for your time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I really appreciate it. I know a lot of our listeners appreciate it as well. And, and let me start with this. I... I walked out of the classic movie last night that we did here at uh, 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 the the answer, and we did uh, the Wizard of Oz last night. And I took my five year old grandson to see it, first time he's ever seen it. Got to see it on the big screen like it was supposed to be seen, and it was great. But I checked my phone because I always check my phone uh, to see what kind of Twitter activity there's been and if I've had any emails or texts or anything like that. And there was a te- a, a, a Twitter uh, a statement from Hawley, the uh, uh, state senator over in Missouri, dealing with this give and take that he had with a Berkeley law professor who basically uh, believes that uh, words can be violence. And because he questioned her about her belief that a woman who thinks she's a man is really a man who can get pregnant. Uh, she told him he was transphobic and that it, that he was, uh, of course, being uh, violent against them. Uh, let me, i got to ask this question. You're a congressman. You sit in banking committees and all kinds of stuff. Do people come and sit down, and what do you do if they do, and tell you things that you know are just, you know, completely not only false but you know come from the the land of oz basically and that the that the the wizard has the king has no clothes and they're sitting in front of you saying this stuff how do you put up with that well it takes a lot of patience to do that and uh, to do it you know preferably in a civil way but the secret to congress and to any kind of parliamentary debate, if you think about it, is time is divided equally and both sides have uh, an equal amount of time under an agreed upon set of equal rules to run the debate. So if somebody wants to spend their five minutes saying that women are men, uh, you know, we have five minutes to to use our best argument to say that's insane uh, and to describe why. And so that's why I get so frustrated uh, when you have something like the Pelosi Commission on January 6th that is not equal, was not set up under equal rules, was not run properly, uh, you get these skewed, one-sided, you know, sorts of analysis. And that's not the way Congress is supposed to work. And But for Holly, you know, he's got his time, equal time, to <laughs> argue the opposite. And he's good at it. Well, he did all right yesterday, but I got to tell you what, I I live by the way my daddy used to taught me, and my dad, one of his favorite sayings was, I don't cotton ignorance. (laughs) If I heard a, a lawyer from Berkeley, one of the schools that's supposed to be one of the best law schools in the nation, say what this woman was saying, I would look and say, you should ask for your money back if they taught you this was the truth. Yeah, well, I mean, we face that on so many uh, issues, and that's why I say you've got to have patience, but you've also right there in the public domain, preferably on the record, preferably on videotape, 
make that argument just to demonstrate that uh, some people are born stupid and there's no cure for it. <laughs> What's the old saying? There's no cure for stupid. You know, life is tough, but if you're stupid, stupid, it's really tough. Isn't that what John Wayne said? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's a bell curve out there on every topic. Don't forget that. I'm with you. All right, let's talk about the the those hearings that are going on about supposedly the president of the United States was trying to pull a coup off. You know, I watched those and I, it, it draws me back to a Michael Douglas movie from back in the early eighties about the star chamber and these uh, people who put themselves up as, as judges, you know, jury executioners and they bring in people and, they just show videos of the things that they have told told them. There, there is no proof that what they're saying is true. Some of the people were like, "Well, yeah, we were there, and we shouldn't have been there." And uh, you know, I'm here, and and I'm here's what I'm hearing. I'm here telling you exactly what you want to hear, so that I could get my butt out of jail. And it's it's just amazing to me that. The news media is reporting on these people as though it is gospel. Yeah, and I, and I have to say, again, this, I, I read last week where President Trump now has regrets and is saying that McCarthy should have appointed you know Republicans and done the, the commission a different way. Well, exactly. And that's why I proposed an investigation of January 6th with equal Republicans, equal Democrats, equal subpoena power equal unified rules approved by both sides so that you would get a fair and balanced look at what led to uh, the Capitol not being properly secure on January 6th, which is still the critical issue here. Why uh, the mall had National Guard presence, but the Capitol didn't. Who made that decision not to do it? And in the Pelosi star chamber approach, you don't get that. You don't get two sides. You don't get uh, equal time. You don't get uh, anything about the security situation of the Capitol because she put her office, her emails, her staff off limits from investigation from that so-called committee. Yeah, the only thing that is missing from this old star chamber of Lenin and Stalin is that they're not taking these witnesses out and shooting them. Uh right after they testify uh thank god that that's not happening happening but i did say see yesterday in a story i think all of us agree that right now we're all expecting that the republicans will take over control of the uh the house again uh in november the the, the senate you can argue both ways i still think we'll take control of it as well i i don't think people are measuring the temperature of the american voter correctly the american voter is really ticked off at what the democrats have been doing uh to the economy to energy to our uh, standing in the world and things of that nature so uh, i think it's going to be much worse than a lot of people think it's going to be i think it's going to be a big old tsunami that comes in red uh on uh in november November. But but here here's here's the question. McCarthy is uh, doing uh, investigative workshops now, uh, getting ready when you guys take over overseeing, uh, you know, all of these programs that are going on mm-hmm. under Congress and how you go about doing it. Are you signed up for any of those uh, programs yet? 
Yeah, I sit on the uh, the Border Caucus, which is working on planning the oversight for why we've been invaded from uh, the southwest border. And I spend a lot of time uh, on that. So that's the one that I'm spending most of my time on. But I think you're going to see targeted, thoughtful oversight of Biden and Biden's failures from uh, DOD planning and the uh, White House's execution of Afghanistan's exit to why is the border wide open? What are the origins uh, that we know through our research and our intelligence on the COVID-19's origins uh, in China? Uh, Hunter Biden's laptop and the role that played during the Obama administration and continued role uh, in and around the president. And I think you'll see us ask uh, through the House Administration Committee or the Oversight Committee, we want those emails, telephone logs, and meeting minutes from Nancy Pelosi on January 4th, 5th, and 6th as to why she left the Capitol uh, Police completely under-supported in every way uh, besides just firing the sergeant of arms who made the decisions not to allow D.C. National Guard to be helpful. So I think you're going to see that robust uh, oversight agenda on the key issues that people are concerned about. And then the general mismanagement of our economic and political and diplomatic affairs by, by Biden. Do you uh, think that the uh, Speaker of the House, she won't be Speaker of the House then, uh, if the uh, Republicans take over, you think that she'll be subpoenaed and brought before her committee? Yeah, think about this. I mean, she broke, uh, in setting up this uh, January 6th committee, kicking off people, kicking uh, Republicans off standing committees of the House, she broke uh, 246 years of precedent. The parties, the leaders in each side of the aisle are supposed to discipline their members. You can raise heck about it. You can urge them to do it. But you don't reach across the aisle and discipline another party's members for their mistakes or things you don't like. She's done that. And unfortunately, that means that she's opened that Pandora's box. And I suspect that there will be uh, calls for uh, her personal engagement as it related to January 6th. But I think that's also true with some of the other uh, things that have happened uh, under her leadership as Speaker, where she's broken these norms in the Capitol and uh, these longstanding policies. All right. When we come back, the uh, congressman will be with us to the bottom of the hour. We'll continue our conversation. I uh, would like to talk to him about uh, the CPI is coming out, the Consumer Price Index today. It looks like most of the leading uh, uh, economists are expecting inflation to be at a 40-year high and uh, moving higher from 8.6 last year to 8.8 this year. We'll see what the uh, congressman has to say about that as well when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. (coughs) Excuse me. Don't forget about ICU uh, protection. Uh, They can help you protect your home or your business. They can get you the cameras that you want, 1080p, that are clear. They don't look like uh, an old A&E camera that you see on those crime-solving shows that looks like they're aliens from some, you know, men in black movie and glowing 
that's not the way they look. I can tell you that for fact because I've got two of them around my house. And you can look at those uh, pictures and you can tell who it is. You can tell whether uh, it's a man or a woman. Now, it won't tell you if it's a man identifying as a woman, but it will tell you whether it's a man or a woman, just so you know. And you can get the door and window sensors. You get the motion detection, all of that, uh, for either your home or your business. All you got to do is call ICU Protection. Talk to Billy Mack. Uh, he'll get you in touch with one of his associates. They'll come out to your house, and they'll figure out how best to protect your home. 501-205-1333 is their number, and you pay for the service. You don't pay for the hardware. That's right. You don't pay for any of those cameras, motion detectors, or any of that. That is all yours. All you do is pay for the service. That's ICU Protection. The number again, 501-205-1333. All right, our special guest is Congressman French Hill from District 2, and uh, good to have him with us. Let's continue on with our conversation, and uh, the CPI is supposed to come out here. Uh, I'm looking at about 12 minutes from now, uh, Congressman. What are you expecting to see? Dave, I think we're still going to see elevated inflation due to uh Uh, primarily the fact that uh, Biden's policies have never unleashed American energy or fixed the supply chain issues. I mean, it's really uh, both those things, plus all the spending and the lax policy at the Fed. You still got way too much uh, money chasing too few goods out there. So while some things may have modestly moderated as the economy slows down, I still expect to see high inflation. Okay, so... No good news is what you're saying. No, I mean, look at uh, house prices year over year. Some of them are up 20% in some areas. Uh, The building materials are up. Uh, That's a big thing of what people see. They see the price, obviously, in shrunk uh, 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 boxes of crackers or cereal uh, at the grocery store, higher prices, meat prices, uh, the gas they put in their car every week. All that's real obvious. But... You still have this supply chain inflation that is not through, and the best place to see that is in construction materials and labor prices. So I think we're still fighting inflation. I think the Fed is way behind on that. Biden administration made it far worse with their anti-work policies, their anti-supply chain policies on energy. Uh, And so we're still at a a troubled point in our economy that we're working through. So what are you hearing there in Washington and in the banking committee meetings that you're you're sitting in? I'm I'm sure you're hearing uh, a lot of information about the supply chains and all of that. How long is it going to take for us to get back to normal? I mean, we're we're a year out of covid and we're and we we still are not seeing, you know, the brand new cars out on the uh, the lots and things. No, I mean, you've got so many issues from uh, lockdowns in offshore uh, production areas to uh, chip shortages that still plague uh, particularly the auto industry. Uh, so I just think we're, we're months away, and we got off to a, uh, a late start. I know people think that sounds like a cop-out, but look, in September of 2020, All of us uh, Republicans in the House, particularly in the banking committee, are calling for an end to 
zero interest rates and buying $120 billion of debt per year. And we wanted to get people back to work. And I used Arkansas as an example. A lot of our Kansans were back to work by September and October. We had 85% of our kids in school classroom instruction. And, and those are the kinds of actions you had to take to get our whole economy open. And the longer it went, the more damage that was done. And we still don't have our job participation rate back up to where it was before the pandemic. We've recovered a lot of the total jobs, but we don't have the labor force. And we're still 12 million jobs short. And that's why I say I think you still have upward pressure on wages, and yet wages are falling behind inflation. So it's just like you and I've talked about for months. We're in a classic stagflation situation for our families. They're, they're not keeping up with the nearly $5,000 per family of additional costs per year. And you take $5,000, remember, after-tax dollars for an Arkansas family making, uh, say, $45,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it, it really is, and thank goodness, uh, and I don't know whether to be thankful for it or to just be very, very nervous about it with the uh, gas prices coming down a little bit. That worries me that business is saying we're get, we're already starting into a recession, and so we're cutting back instead of plowing forward. So since they're cutting back, they're not going to need as much oil, and so we're seeing a drop in demand, and that's precipitating the drop in price. I just keep wondering, and I and I keep worrying, Congressman, that that light at the end of the tunnel is the train that's still coming back. Yeah, I would not be sanguine about where energy prices are right now. Uh, we are rapidly trying to get people back out uh, drilling and producing and shipping. Uh, but that's very hard when you have the Biden administration not approving permits, arguing that they should stop having fossil fuel reserve replacement, not helping open pipelines or open terminals. But people are working hard to try to produce that energy. But you still have uh, this global energy crisis where I do agree with you that demand is slipping and that's affected price. But I'm also very fearful that this uh, Russian impact on uh, fuel costs is not fully we've not fully experienced it yet it could get a lot worse before it gets better all right congressman french hill district two thanks for the time congressman have a great day and uh try to keep your sanity up there great to be with you dave call anytime look forward to seeing you soon thanks. all right bye bye now all right congressman french hill here on the dave ellswick show I'd, i'll be honest i couldn't do the job that they do I, I couldn't sit on a, a natural resources committee like we'll be talking to Congressman Bruce Westerman and, and, hold, and hold it together and not just go off on some of these idiots that get up there. And, you know, they want to talk about, you know, uh, tigers and bears and lions and whatever. Oh, my. Uh, instead of talking about in the, the important things that are going out, like, you know, how do you stop the big uh, fires that are happening in California because of the, the, the really stupid, uh, you know, natural resources things they got out there. You know, they, they're having problems with water out there and they're dumping water into the Pacific Ocean. We'll talk to the congressman about that when he comes up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's find out what Bill O'Reilly has. All right, just got a, a quick 
tweet from uh, Congressman Westerman saying that he might be just a few moments late calling in today. So he's going to call in, but he may be just a little bit late. So that's that's no big deal. You know, I don't know. Maybe ran in some traffic, you know, as far as that goes. Who knows? So uh, we'll talk to him as soon as he uh, connects with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. While we got a moment, let me tell you about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. And uh, Eric Coleman is looking for you to make him your uh, jeweler. If you need repairs, he'll take care of it. You need a cleaning, he can take care of it. I mean, he's got all the tools and all the technology uh, that uh, he needs to do everything you need done when it comes to jewelry. You need something designed, he's got the computer that can do that. Uh, He's got the ability to make wax reliefs of it. He's got the uh, jewels uh, loose that you can look at and pick the diamond you want or the emerald or the ruby or the amethyst or or, or whatever it is you're looking for uh, to add to that ring or add to that necklace or add to that bracelet or anklet or whatever it is that you want. And he can, he can make it for you right there at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, Suite E, uh, here in Little Rock. Also know that he's got plenty of uh, people's uh, jewelry on display uh, that you can look at, designer jewelry uh, that are you know lit up so you can look at it and uh, make up your mind if that's the way you want to go. So uh, whether you want it made or whether you want to just buy it already taken care of or... Or you've got, uh, you know, jewelry that you were, um, you know, given. Uh, There's been a death in your family. And uh, perhaps uh, it was your mom and she had a bunch of jewelry. And you want to know, you know, you can't wear it. But you'd like to know maybe what it's worth. You want to get it appraised. You can take that over to uh, Eric, and he'll do that for you. And he can go two ways on this. Uh, He can give you cash for it if you'd like to sell it. Or if you'd like to use it uh, to buy some new jewelry, he can work out a good deal with you of of what uh, money that you get for that jewelry and apply it to something new that you'd like to do if you're looking for wedding or engagement sets you can do that Uh, i would go to him to get uh, wedding sets because he'll save you at least 20 percent on that and uh, you know 20 percent of a wedding set can be uh, a nice little extra money for your honeymoon so keep that in mind as well 3000 cavanaugh boulevard is where he's at suite e he's open monday through saturday 10 to 6 this is a guy who loves jewelry he he's wanted to do it ever since he was a kid you know he got one of those rock tumbling sets you remember we used to get those uh, out of the uh the gift catalog from Sears, and you'd buy it, and you put them in, and you put a little of this, and put a little of that in it, and turn it on, and it would run for maybe a you know three four days, and the, the rocks would come out, and they'd look you know exceptionally pretty, uh, look a whole lot better than they did coming out than when they went in, and uh, he had that, and as soon as he started getting those rocks out looking pretty, he was making it into jewelry. 
So he's been doing it for a long, long time. He's been in in business for over 40 years, and he's looking forward to talking to you. Uh, You can just stop by and visit with him there at 3000 Kavanaugh, or you can call him if you need to set up an appointment, uh, 501-246-3655. By the way, the new CPI number just came out just saw it on television uh it's worse than what they expected you know they were saying it was 8.6 last year they were expecting it to be 8.8 this year it's 9.1 9.1 prices year to year have gone up uh from 8.6 to 9.1 uh, so, you know, that that uh, that tightening in your wallet that you've been feeling, uh, you're not uh, you're not imagining it. It uh, truly is going on and it is happening. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, here's what you're going to hear from the Biden administration. Well, you know, look, uh, the, the, the gas prices were exorbitant in June. Well, here's the problem with that. They don't figure food and energy into the CPI. Don't know if you knew that or not. Um, If they did, it would be much higher than 9.1%. I'm just telling you that right now. So uh, they, they stopped doing that after Carter because under Carter it just was so ugly. Uh, the Democrats were looking for any way they could uh, to try to put a, a decent face on the inflation during that time. And uh, bottom line, uh, they start pulling that out and start pulling things out that they weren't going to consider. And that meant, uh, long story short, that uh, they could bring down the inflationary price. Well, 9.1. Not good. Now, tomorrow the PPI comes out. That's uh, the producer price index. That's what businesses are paying to make the goods and services that you buy. And if that has gone up a lot, then it's going to be just an ugly summer. Just know it's going to be a really ugly summer summer and uh, at least a little good news in that uh, gas prices have come down a little bit i'm worried that business is slowing down because we're entering into a recession and that we're going to end up seeing gases gas prices come down but we're going to see you know uh, less production people are going to start losing their jobs and things of that nature and believe me that is not going to be fun and and, you know look i got 18 years of education i mean i've I've done been taught i've got a lot of schooling all right as far as that's all in uh, in place and uh, i've taken a lot of economic courses and it's not good right now this is just not good i don't have the letters that yellen's got behind her name but when she talks about macro and micro and economics and all of that, I can follow what she's saying. And I can understand what she's trying to tell us. And typically, it's not good. 
All right, let's go ahead and uh, we'll get a break in right now, and then hopefully we'll hear from the the, uh, congressman in a moment. Congressman Bruce Westerman, we're on wait for his call here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're back, and we took that break a little bit early so that we could eat up some uh, time that we were going to have to eat up anyway. But to give a little bit extra time for Congressman Bruce Westerman to call us in, he had said he might be a few moments uh, late. He is, but here he is, and he's with us. And, Bruce, I, I'm going to give you some information you may not have even seen yet. Uh, the the com- uh, Consumer Price Index has come out, and, you know, they were looking for 8.8 today. You know, it's worse than that. It's 9.1. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all, Dave. And I do apologize for being late. It's all right. I had a, a meeting I had to speak at, and it ran a little bit late. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, you know, it, it, I would have expected the CPI to be be high because we're seeing all the input costs for uh, manufacturing and for uh, production going up. And I don't, I honestly don't think that number uh reflects accurately what the real CPI is because of the, the way they they calculate the number and, and the way energy goes into the equation. But it's no question that input costs are going sky high. I was just speaking to, uh, to an ag group from Arkansas, and they were just bemoaning the high input costs, the cost of fertilizer, the cost of fuel, and uh, even though the forecast for beans and corn and rice are looking like pretty good prices, they don't know if they're going to be able to cover the input cost uh, the way things are going up. So when it costs more to make something, which is that's kind of what the CPI measures, um, or you you said the CPI, not the PPI. Not the PPI. No, that's tomorrow. <laughs> this, oh, well, um, that's the one I'm expecting to to, to really jump up. I if agree. The, if the CPI is up, up that high, the, the, the PPI is one that's been on the rise as well. But the bottom line is everything's getting more expensive. That's inflation. That's people's money being devalued. Um, so you just don't have the purchasing power that you had. And meanwhile, I'm getting ready to go to a hearing where the Democrats are going to pass a bill out of the our house committee to shut down mining in minnesota so my my point i'm going to make in that hearing is it's one thing to dig a hole uh but you ought to be trying to get out of it not digging the hole deeper and they just seem to uh double down on dumb policies well they they don't know how to stop digging that's the problem you're exactly right. You know, my dad always told me, you know, if you want to get out of a hole, stop digging. <laughs> yeah. Well, and is Biden on Air Force One heading to Saudi Arabia today to beg for oil? He's there. He's over there yeah. right now. And by the way, I guess you heard the the Macron uh, hot mic uh, statement that he made that the Saudis don't have more gas to give to them, and the Saudis got to deal with the Russians. So, I mean, come on. I don't, the president's going to come back pretty empty-handed, it sounds like to me. Yeah, and he should have been going to, uh, to Texas, to North Dakota, to uh, Pennsylvania, and talking to, to our producers. I've, uh, 
was down in Houston the other day talking to a bunch of the energy folks, and they're just beside themselves. You know, the, uh, the, the, the accusations that the administration makes about the energy industry uh, causing these problems, you know, that's, that's like biting the hand that feeds you. These are the people that are doing the work to get as much energy out there as possible despite all of the uh, uh, the red tape and regulations that this administration is putting in front of them. And they confirmed something that I've been concerned about, and that is that the worst of these policies, we're going to see them in two and three and four years from now because they're not developing any new wellheads. They, on federal lands and offshore, it is shut down. So you've got wells out there actively pumping, and that was kind of the uh, the uh, sly method that the, the Democrats use. So we're not going to shut down any production. Well, that sounds all right, but all that production that's there, it's it slowly tapers off. So you have to constantly be do being developing new uh, new wellheads, and that's not happening. So this problem is going to be uh, projected out into the future, and it's not going to get any better. Well, going down the current path. All right. So let let's look ahead. Uh, I think in November the uh, that you all are going to get uh, control of the House again. We may not get control of the Senate, but I'm I'm sure we'll get a control of the House again. And uh, that's going to put you in charge of Natural Resources Committee. You'll be the chairman of, of that. What are, what are some of the things that you see uh, the Republicans doing uh, for the American people once they get back in, into power again? And I heard the commitment to America is, is going to be kind of like the contract uh, to America. Do you have any idea when that's going to be published for the people to look at? I know the goal is to get it out uh, in in August or early September, and there's been a tremendous amount of work put into it. Every Republican member is on a task force looking at different issues and uh, you know coming up with this framework. But while that's happening, as the ranking member on the Natural Resources Committee, we're drafting the actual legislation that will be the the text to implement these strategies that we're coming up with in the commitment to America. So I'm working on a massive uh, energy, uh, American energy bill, and I'm doing that with the uh, ranking members on the Energy and Commerce Committee and the Transportation Infrastructure Committee. And what we're going to do is take the flexibility away from administrations uh, where now they uh, think they have an option on doing lease sales. We're going to tell them you have to do lease sales. Uh, that's really the only way you can deal with these uh, these folks that are over in the administration is take the flexibility away from them, and you've got to put uh, teeth in that with the way you, you budget stuff. Uh, now, a law has still has to pass the House, has to pass the Senate, and has to be signed by the President. So we're realists knowing that we can put these ideas forward, and they may not get signed into law with the Biden administration. But we also know that we can um, put pressure on them with budgeting, and we also know that we will be uh, really doubling down on oversight. Uh, so that's the 
the big focus that I'm having, and we're laying the groundwork, writing letters to administration officials that are going ignored right now. But uh, as chairman, I would have subpoena power, and we'll be um, pulling these administration officials into the committee and uh, asking them the tough questions that they're not having to answer right now. But it's uh, when we finally get some transparency on what this administration is doing and how they're being empowered by the uh, the ultra left in Congress, I think people's eyes are going to roll back in their heads. All right. So let me ask uh, you a question. I asked uh, Congressman Hill about uh, you know forty five minutes ago, and that is this J six com- uh, committee that's been meeting and the star chamber role where you guys can't call any witnesses or anything like that. Due process has been circum. Uh, you know, circumvented. You, you're, you're bringing people on that basically are saying whatever they want because they want to keep their their butts out of jail, even though they didn't. As far as I'm concerned, many of them didn't break any laws. But uh, when you all get into con- uh, c- uh, control again and you have the oversight, McCarthy is already having you guys attend classes now, evidently, to learn how to do this uh, in a you know a legal way, a, a rule of law way. Uh, do you think that you some some committee is going to call uh, the Speaker of the House? Uh, who won't be the Speaker of the House at that time, but Nancy Pelosi, call her before the committee and make her testify about some of the things that went on during January 6th? Well, I'm not sure how what French's opinion on that is. I haven't talked to him. He thinks it's going to. I, I, I think the precedent that they've set with this uh, J6 committee where they're and imploring other members of Congress to come testify certainly opens her up to that. And I think she has a lot of questions she needs to answer on a lot of different uh, things. Um, so uh, it wouldn't wouldn't be my committee. It would probably be the Oversight Committee or the Judiciary Committee. Um, but I, I think that would certainly be on the table. <clears throat> well, it would seem to me that getting her in front of the committee to answer a lot of the questions about why you know uh, the house wasn't ready for this that she didn't do the things she should have done to protect uh, the chambers and things of that nature i think it it will it will take a lot of the uh the mud uh, that has been thrown by the left at former president trump they'll be he'll be able to wash some of that off would you agree Probably so. And, you know, I think the thing that um, doesn't play in her favor is I don't see her staying in Congress. I don't see her hanging around uh, when we're in the majority. So especially if she leaves Congress and she's not a current sitting member of Congress, I think that really opens her up to be subpoenaed to testify. Hmm. be very, be very, very interesting. I'll be be looking forward to it. Well, tomorrow we'll get the PPI number out. CPI is not good, 9.1. They were expecting a two-tenths of a percent increase. They got a five-tenths of a percent increase. This is not good, uh, Congressman. You know it. I don't need to repeat it. But uh, you all do the best that you can with the, with the cards you're being dealt, all right? Yep, the Calvary's on the way. We're going to do something and uh, try to stop the madness. All right. We appreciate you. Thanks, Congressman. You have a great day. We'll talk to you next week again, and I'm sure we'll have things to talk about. Congressman Bruce Westerman, 
here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, I'll be back with you at 9 o'clock. Uh, Jerry Cox is going to be with me from the, uh, uh, of course, uh, Family Life. And we are going to talk about uh, this whole thing of uh, school choice, universal school choice, sweeping the country from the east to the west. We'll talk about it and what's going to happen, or does he believe it happen, as I'm hoping will happen in 2023 with our uh, folks in the General Assembly. That's coming up at 9. We've got a show coming up for you talking about money in just a moment here on The Answer. o'clock i'm back with you and uh, we are going to talk about school choice i've been talking about it a lot we've done uh four hours about school choice in the last two weeks because the more i talk to republican lawmakers the more i'm hearing these topics taxes they want to get rid of the income tax although Robin Lundstrom was on, and she talked about maybe leaving uh, the personal income tax at about 2% and then getting rid of property taxes. So that was kind of an interesting discussion that I had with her. Uh, Taxes, number two was school choice. Number three was education, more education. And number four was talking about health care. Those were those were the overriding issues everybody wanted to talk about. Now, Stephen Meeks wanted to talk about broadband, which makes sense since he's been in, uh, involved with that. I saw that we we just named our first broadband czar, so to speak, uh, here in Arkansas. I have to get him on and talk about broadband. See if I can get him on along with Stephen Meeks and and talk about what all that means for the state. This is going to be the station to come to. To keep up on issues. I'm just telling you right now, if you're interested, what's going? we already talk about them. What's going on in the state, we're going to really turn up the heat starting in, in January. Because I'm going to be back over at the Capitol again uh, like I used to do before COVID and cover the uh, uh, the General Assembly. And where you, where you get them fighting on the floor and then bring them right out and talk to them about the bills that are being proposed they're not all they're not always fighting but when they are it's always makes the interviews more interesting but let's talk about school choice i brought jerry cox in uh, because jerry i knew he was a public school teacher i didn't know he was a private school teacher until just a few moments ago but here's the other thing i knew when i first got here uh to arkansas back in 2000 he was one of the main uh proponents and and defenders of homeschooling 
That's absolutely right. Uh, you know, somebody said when it comes to education, there's no place like home. <laughs> well, it's not for everybody, but it is a really cool form of school choice. Well, you had a huge You'd have a huge uh, convention-like mm-hmm. thing going oh, on yeah. every year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember we used to do thi- I yeah. used to do things with you about that. Yeah, and Homeschool Day at the Capitol, we'll have a 1,000 yeah. homeschool kids descend upon the state capitol. And uh, the cool thing is, Dave, when we have Homeschool Day, the homeschoolers bring homemade desserts oh, to sure. every lawmaker, and we put them in great big brown paper bags and put their names on it. And, man, that's a hit. That is a hit. <laughs> they're, they're there. They're ready to eat. They're, they're, yep. like, they're like anybody else, man. Home-cooked food brings, yep. brings them out. Yep, yep. All right. Well, so let, I want to talk with you today about universal school choice. That's a different way of talking about school choice than we have in the past. And it seems to me that we've got some real movement going in this country from the East Coast all the way over to the West Coast. That's right. That's right. And people are talking about it. Well, Dave, forever, people with means, now I'm not just talking about rich people, people with the means have education choice. They have choice. For example, uh, my wife and I are both um, uh, certified w- w- school teachers. Okay. She's a music teacher. I taught high school history, social studies, um, psychology, a bunch of th- courses at the high school level. So it was pretty easy for us. I, I say easy. It was um, homeschooling seemed doable for okay. us. And uh, we had a choice of my wife continuing to work and have that extra income or doing with less, and she stayed home and taught our four boys. And she did. So we had the means. We weren't rich. We weren't wealthy enough to send our kids off to a private school at that time. Now, eventually, when they got to junior high, we did have enough money. We could send them to private school. But I tell you, we sacrificed, lived in a smaller house, drove old cars, because we felt like that was just really important for the sake of our boys, and I have no regrets about that. But there are people out here who are maybe a single parent, maybe that both parents have to work to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. They really don't have choice the way a lot of other folks do. And I think we owe it to those kids especially to give them the same good shot at a good education that my kids got uh, and others are getting. Let's give it to everybody. Well, I'll tell you, for a long time, when you talked school choice, it seemed like you were going to either talk about what Bruce Westerman talked about back in 2010, and he started talking about how to get around Lakeview right. and to, to finance kids so that they could go to the school of their choice. All right. right. Or you talked about the inner city. And the the abject poverty and the de- just deterioration of public education in the inner city, and doing uh, charter schools and things of that nature, and you know like uh, Miss Ford, who mm-hmm. lives here in, right. in Arkansas, uh, fought in D.C. and it was Obama that destroyed her dream, right. uh, as far as that went, and and that was where it was at. But now, mm-hmm. now it's expanded. Now people are saying, look, we know our educational system is not working. 
We went through the pandemic, and parents actually saw what their kids were being taught. <laughs> yes, yes. And they said, we don't want any part of this. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? And this whole idea of letting the money follow the student has caught fire. <laughs> it is beautifully simple, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> Let the it. money follow the student. And see, Dave, you still have public education that's correct it's publicly funded it's just not done in a government building maybe the kid doesn't get on a yellow school bus every day to go to school but it's still publicly funded which i think that's what people believe our society ought to do is to give every kid a free publicly funded education if they choose to take advantage of that so to me it's just a a, a perfect progression I hate to use the word evolution, but it's a perfect progression of our education system because we're not living in the days where you have a one-room schoolhouse. I mean, people can do school online. You can uh, do uh, educational co-ops where your kids get together and they learn from experts. You can do um, community college, concurrent credit for older kids. You can enroll your kid at a private school part-time. Right now in Arkansas, you can go over to a public school and take an academic course. You can play football over there. So education is has changed already, and it's going to continue to change, and I think this is the next step. This uh, is the next step. Here's the other thing that's changed. When I was going – I'm a product of public Me education. Too. Okay? Me too. I went to public school. My parents were welcomed to come over to that public school. Right, right. That's – for the most part, mm-hmm. that is not the mm-hmm. way it is today. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially if you're in a larger city here in Arkansas, I don't know. I mean, I, I went, there were 36 in my graduating class. And um, we had the same values at school, same values at church, same values at home, same values on the street, mm-hmm. walking around town. Right. All the same. Now, you've got one set of values at home and church, maybe, and a complete opposite set of values being taught at the school. And that's a problem that many parents recognize during COVID. As you pointed out, they begin saying, And they're tired of it. What is this? You know, you've got critical theory. You have LGBT stuff. You have schools asking kids, well, what is your gender? What's your pronoun? And all that. Or we don't celebrate Christmas. There are schools that literally do not acknowledge Christmas. They'll they'll celebrate Halloween. It's a winter holiday. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's just ridiculous stuff like that where the school is way out of step with the parents and probably with the community. And I think parents are stepping up and saying, you know what? Let us have the money and let us go buy our education where, where we want to. Give us the choice. And uh, Dave, I was thinking about this. I don't think some public schools want the competition. Because they're going to get it. I mean, if if we do this, if we go to ESAs, and we'll talk about what that means in a moment, and and get universal uh, school choice, competition's coming big time. <laughs> I mean, I kind of laugh because our capitalist free market system all turns on competition, doesn't it? You have to offer, if you're Walmart, you got to offer everyday low prices. And if Target 
does better than people go shop at Target that's or, right. or wherever. That's the way it works. I was even thinking about this. If if your high school football team or the University of Arkansas, what if they, we had a football team but they never played anybody else, never competed for players with anybody else, how good do you think our football team would be? Not real good because the competition and knowing we have to step up and compete with everybody else makes everybody better. Well, and it just does. How good would a car would your cars be <laughs> if nobody competed with each other to have a better car? Exactly. Exactly. If if everybody had to drive a Ford, then Ford would say, "Well, we can make sorry cars and not worry about it." Anyway, that happened at one time. <laughs> well, that's <All right>. true. <laughs> we'll, we'll take, the Pinto. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about education savings accounts. What is that? First of all, we'll talk about what does it mean to have universal school choice? Because I'm telling you, they're going to tackle that in less than six months here in the state of Arkansas at the General Assembly. And it's going to happen, and I can't wait to watch it happen. I may not be happy with the result, but I'm happy to see that I believe we're going to have an open discussion for, for a change about school Uh, choice. And we'll talk about why that probably is going to happen when we return. First of all, let me tell you that PI Roofing is looking to help you. If you've been told by your insurance company uh, that uh, they're not going to replace your roof, they're not going to do anything for you, uh, you need to give PI Roofing a call. Uh, Of course, they are uh, a roofing company. They'll come out, look at your roof, uh, talk to... uh, you know, your insurance company or some other other insurance company maybe you want to do business with and and get your roof fixed. I mean, this has been a problem up in Cabot and Ward and Austin and those areas after we had that December uh, hailstorm up in that area. And uh, there's some uh, insurance companies that are, are fudging on all this. Well, if you're paying as much as I'm paying for home insurance, I don't want no fudging going on with me. So talk to the folks at PI Roofing. Let them help you. These are the folks that I use. Nobody's ever walked on my roof other than PI Roofing. Nobody's worked on my roof except for PI Roofing. Call them at 501-707-3551 or visit them online, piroofing.com. We're back with you here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We were just talking about the 60s, and we were talking about Republicans, and there was a time in the 60s that you talked about, you know, Goldwater Republicans. <laughs> exactly, yes. And then you talked about Rockefeller. Yes. And not Rockefellers like we had here in Arkansas, mm-hmm. but the the northern, the New, New York, York mm-hmm. you know, Nelson Rockefeller. Mm-hmm, that's right. And they were blue <laughs> as they came. I mean, I I had so many great discussions with Wynn Rockefeller about that. He was He, he went to a dinner there at one time now this was passed on to me uh by uh, doyle webb who of course right. was the gatekeeper for the lieutenant governor at the time and he said that they showed up in new york 
for a big uh, hoop de doo dinner or something, <laughs> and Wynn showed up in his cowboy boots and stuff, <laughs> and and sat down and literally put his his cowboy put his feet up on the table, <laughs> and I he said, well, you know, if they're going to think I'm a redneck, I might as well act like a redneck. Anyway, I love I love those those are the kind of stories I live to hear. Oh, I, I really really do. That's great good. stories. That's good. Great stories. And, and Wynn, as I've said, if we had had eight years of Wynn instead of eight years of bb we'd be in a totally different place right now when was a really good friend i mean he just um he was so friendly you just walk by his office he'd say oh jerry dave come in let's yeah. visit a little yeah. it's like tell me what's happening like sitting on the front porch with somebody <laughs> yeah. you know, come sit on the porch with me and yeah. let's talk yeah he was a, he was a good guy and yeah I, I ate a lot of japanese food with uh with win rockefeller and uh, spent a lot of time on the phone talking issues with him and he was I'm just telling you, we lost a diamond Mm -hmm. when that man passed away. All right, let's go back to talk about uh, universal school choice. That's the first thing that we got to kind of help everybody understand. Jerry, what it? Let me hear what you you say about universal school choice. Well, first of all, people talk about school choice as if we already have it, and it's like I look around and I'm like. Not much. No. Not very much. It just, you know, they made, oh, you can, if you have special needs child, you can choose. And if you're in a failing school district, maybe you can choose. Or if you can get everybody to sign a paper, you can go from one district to another or whatever. No. That's not universal, is it, Dave? No. It's just not. not. at all. And um, what we're talking about is what they've done in Arizona. I believe West Virginia has done similar. Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana. I'm not as familiar with them, but what they're doing in these states is they're actually just saying, okay, here's money per child for them to go be educated wherever they choose. Mm-hmm. Public, private, parochial, home, However whatever. they want to do it. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and it's for every kid. You don't have to have special needs or be in a failing school if you could be in the worst school the best school whatever you can choose and see we're already dave doing that but we're not doing that here's the thing arkansas spends about ten thousand dollars per year to educate a child that's that's a considerable amount of money uh yes uh, and about mm, 65 six thousand or more of that is state money the rest of it's as I understand, it's federal and local property taxes. Called pass-through money. Yes. And so we're already paying to educate every child. But what we're doing is we're saying, but you've got to go to this building in this school district, ride this school bus, get approval from these people if you want to do anything different. And uh, imagine if the rest of our life worked that way. Imagine if you had to have approval from the government to be able to just do a basic right, which is education, I think, is a fundamental – it's not a constitutional right like freedom of speech. Right. But it is a right. I mean, we think people ought to have a right to Founding education. Founding fathers believed yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, and every child should have the opportunity for an education. Well, what's what's a better way to do the opportunity to, than to say – Here's your money. Go buy your education where you think it best. And let me just stop you right there. I believe <laughs> I believe that parents want the best for their children 
and will make sure they get the best education that they can for their children. I don't think parents are stupid (laughs) and need to be told by the government Mm -hmm. how they got to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, I was down in South Arkansas for a funeral this week, but I got to talk to real people, Dave, not people at the Capitol. Yeah, you got out of the bubble. Yeah, I did. And it's so refreshing. And those people down there, they want the same thing that most everybody else wants. They want their kids to be educated. They want them to be successful in life. They want them to get a good job. They want them to be good citizens. All those things. They want them to have a better life than they had. Exactly. And that's what my parents wanted. That's what yours wanted for you. Yep. And so we can help those parents attain that by doing this, you don't help them attain it by saying, yeah, you're in a failing school, but now nah, you can't leave. It's mm-hmm. not the Hotel California. You know, you, you you should be able to leave and go somewhere else. So um, that's the that's the spirit behind this. But, Dave, you and I know there is a bureaucracy. There is an establishment. <laughs> there is the status quo. Yeah. Oh, my. It is it is deep. And there are all kinds of fear-mongering that goes on out there. And it's already starting, I'm going to tell you. What is it? Tell me about it. You know, well, they're already saying that you're going to destroy the public school system if you do this. Public schools, as we know it, will cease to exist. No, they won't. Not if they're good public schools. There you go. There you go. And there we're back to the competition. That's exactly right. Um, if... If you're if you're at a radio station and you're on the radio, you compete with everything else that's on the radio, and you've got to step it on up. The only person who doesn't is NPR. All right, <laughs> and all, you listen to NPR and tell me what I you know. think. All right, I know. yeah. All right, we need to take a break. Uh, we got to get. Uh, is it time? It's, it's just time for news. We got news coming up, so let's do that. Give you some local news, and then Jerry and I will come back. And I promise, then we'll start talking about education, savings accounts, and things of that nature, and what the future may hold for us here in Arkansas. We are back. Yeah, basketball is big in Indiana. I'm just, I'm just telling. We're talking about basketball in Indiana. I grew up in Indiana, and uh, the thumping of a ball on a basketball court in indiana at that time was like the heartbeat of the state it really (laughs) so you got to live hoosiers almost (laughs) yeah well look i uh i went back and and did sports in indiana for years on radio and uh, we go out to uh, to hebron Uh, hebron was outside of uh, crown point maryville uh gary those Mm -hmm. areas yeah and they were small communities Mm -hmm. and they had like six players mm-hmm. well you say well dave you go beat knots on their heads no <laughs> no it only takes five to play basketball those guys have been playing together since third grade it, since the womb i'm just telling you they knew each other in the womb and it, it was just it was just great basketball yeah really yeah. and and everybody when you went to the state tournament at the time i was there 
everybody got into the state tournament. Mm-hmm. And it was a free-for-all at that point. Wow. Little schools played the big schools. Uh-huh. That's what uh-huh. Hoosiers is all exactly, about. Exactly, exactly, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, in, the, in the movie Hoosiers, just real quickly, the, the school that they, they portrayed in that uh, with, with uh, Gene Hackman uh, was taking on uh, Muncie Central. Right. And Muncie mm-hmm. Central had about 7,000 students. <laughs> they were huge. And they got beat. Uh-huh. And they, mm-hmm. you know, I knew, I I met and knew Johnny Plump. He's the wow. guy who made the, the, the yeah. shot, the yeah. one. And Ray Kraft and all the rest. Let me give you a little interesting <laughs> aside before we go. Johnny Plump had a, in Broad Ripple, which is a small town inside of Indianapolis, had a restaurant uh, called, you know, and you go have a Plump's Burger uh-huh. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Ray went on in education uh, and moved his way up the Indiana High School Association. Ray uh, wanted to get rid of the overall state champion in just one thing. All right. right? He wanted to have a double a triple a johnny plump wanted to keep it the way it was Mm -hmm. so to see those two get together (laughs) who had played on the same team Mm -hmm. uh it it was just interesting that they came up with completely different ideas about that yeah and they got to be not such good friends anymore Uh, wow you know dave when we were talking about school choice that is a concern that some people have they have a really good in their community. They're yes. really proud of their school, and I, rightly, and should be. And um, if it's good, you made a real good point. You said, "Well, that's an opportunity for those small schools to attract more students." That's correct from across district lines or wherever. And um, you know, I think about it this way: if if a if a, a person is a pretty good athlete, but you're on a really championship level team Mm -hmm. you may not get to play much that's right but you know if you can hop over here to another smaller school get in the portal yeah exactly (laughs) you can do that and go and go play because playing is what it what helps your character and it's fun and your family enjoys watching you play i've done both i've watched my kids sit on the bench and i've watched them play I like watching them play a lot sure. more than sit on the bench. Absolutely, and so uh, you know that's sort of a misnomer out there to say, well, you know, the small schools are going to suffer. Well, not necessarily, because then you can reach over here and say, hey, come over here. We've got a smaller uh, school here, but we'll give your kid a lot of good attention over here at Who our school. Who knows? They might find somebody in like a. Uh, Larry Bird from French Lick, Indiana. <laughs> exactly. And get them to come to their school. Never know. It, you know, it's choice. It's freedom. It's people being able to go where they want to and do what they feel like is best. That's right. All cool. right. We talked universal school choice is the money following the student, and you get to take that money and go to whatever school you want to go to or you can use that money for tutoring you can use that money for you know online classes all kinds of stuff Correct. so just keep that in mind then we're going to we're going to start hearing about ESAs mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. are education mm-hmm. savings accounts uh, if you know what a uh, uh, a health uh, savings account is right then you've got 
you've got a one step up mm-hmm. of understanding what mm-hmm. this is all going to be mm-hmm. about. Exactly. And um, see, Arizona, where uh, they just passed this universal um, ESA school choice law funding, um, they already had uh, a modified, a, a scale back education savings account system set up. We've got a couple of them. A little bit, yeah. They're farther along. And so the money goes from the state into that account, and then it comes from that account That's right. to pay to pay the school if you're going to a private school or pay for the homeschooling or pay for the other public school. I might add, this is not just kids all hopping out of the public school going to a private school. You might want to stay at your public school. Or you might want to go to the public school up the road, down That's the road, right. whatever. And the kid up the road at a public school may want to come over to your school. The road runs both ways, doesn't yes, it? It, does. it just does. It's called competition. Yeah. And it's choice and it's all those things. And so maybe there and so with that account, hopefully the long arm of the government doesn't reach into the private school and say, Oh, if you're a Baptist, Arkansas Baptist or uh, whatever, CAC, Church of Christ, or Little Rock Christian, or any of these others, that they can't make you tear down your crosses, can't make you stop doing chapel, can't make you quit praying at the ball game, those kinds of things. And so uh, that's the, the way that is set up is to try to prevent that long arm from following the money. And where that comes in was a recent Supreme Court decision go. that happened in Maine mm-hmm. just a few uh, weeks ago, which said that if you have a Christian school, mm-hmm. uh, and I would say if you have a Arab school, <laughs> yeah. uh, you cannot tell that school they can't get the money because they have religion. Yes, and that is watershed kind of case. It is. It, it, it kind of got lost at all the talk about Roe v. Wade yeah, and all that stuff. And all that. But that, that ruling came out right at the same time. If hadn't been for that Dobbs ruling and Roe v. Wade, we'd be talking about that ruling out of Maine and how significant that is for public money going to Christian or faith-based entities. Schools. There were so many decisions mm-hmm. made in this last Supreme Court session that it's really amazing. I mean, I'm surprised I haven't spent as much time talking about gun rights. Yes. As, you know, because that decision about New York sure. was huge. Yeah, all of it. And mm-hmm. so was Maine. That yeah. was huge. Yeah. And the prayer decision mm-hmm. for the football coach was huge. <laughs> but Dobbs overshadowed exactly. everything. Exactly, exactly. But I think the, the, um, the thing I keep coming back to is why do we have public education is it to maintain what we've always done, keep doing the same old thing, and watch our kids fall farther and farther behind in learning? or is In the it, world. Yeah. Or is it to step up and say, you know what? We're going to do it better. We're going to do it different. And we're going we're gonna to improve it. And you and I know, Dave, that education is not just about the academics, but it's also about Kids learning how to be a good person. Kids learning how to... Civics. Yeah, and and learn just good manners. Yeah. Um, All those things are important. And I think a lot of parents out here, if they had a school out here that they knew had strong leadership, 
in in the administration if they knew that it had strict discipline if they knew that it had high academic standards if they knew that there was a lot of parental involvement those parents dave would would beat the door down yeah to get the kids in yeah well let's create that by giving parents the choice to go and make that kind of school we don't have to be the way we've always been we can be better and this creates that opportunity if we can pass it here at arkansas i agree i just i want my kids to go to well i want my kids to go they've already been i want my grandkids to get to go to schools like i went to yes even if they i don't care if they're public schools if they're if i get the if they get the education i got in the public school mm-hmm. i went to I'm a happy camper. I'm a happy camper because <laughs> exactly. guess what? We had prayer in schools mm-hmm. at that time. Uh-huh. We we, uh, we had a lot of different things, and we had a lot of things that are then that they don't have now. But we had a thing, a lot of thing. We didn't have a lot of things that yeah. they do have now. Yeah, and and that's the key. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to make sure you get the kind of school you think your and you child know, will if, thrive in. If you say, "Well, there's no such school in my community." Guess what? Somebody will start one. Start one. That's exactly right. Somebody will start one. And and just make it happen. And I know there are people with that kind of skills and initiative in every community. Every community there are people that are that, that could start and run a good school in that community if they want one. Communities that don't have a school. I think about places like Locksburg, near where I grew up. Well, their school had to consolidate. Guess what? You can put a school there in Locksburg and have Maybe one there. Maybe not again. now. Yeah, you know, and I know, I know there is a private school there now. But imagine how it could grow if every kid walked through the door with money. Let's just say seven thousand dollars. Yeah, right. Round it off. Yeah, you know, that's real money in their in their pocket from the state government that would be incredible all right we're going to come back we've got one more segment to do and uh, we got other things to talk about it this goes fast but i'm telling you these are the things you're going to hear esa keep that in mind education savings account you're going to hear a lot more about that and uh universal school choice hear a lot more about that and we got a governor that's coming that believes in both of those things And we'll talk about that when we return. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, stick with us. Don't forget about uh, East End Towing. You need uh, need a tow on the side of the road, you call them. They'll take good care of you at 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. They know what they're doing. They can handle any situation you're in and get you safely off the road. That's East End Towing. Let's finish this up. We got about eight minutes here, okay. uh, Jerry, and let's talk about well, you this lead, and I'll follow. Okay, I'm look. I've talked to enough politicians now, solidly conservative politicians, that I, if you listen to me talk about this, you know I'm excited. Yes, you've never seen me get this excited about school <laughs> choice, except when Bruce Westerman was a state representative and what he was trying to do, and they called him every name in the book except nice guy. Okay, I'm just telling you, they didn't they didn't talk to him. And then Bruce, the other day, I had him on, and and, and he said that 
there were other people that were really fighting that battle as well. I wasn't familiar with them, and if I have not mentioned their names, I apologize to them. But it was not a favorable time mm. to to fight for school choice. Now it is, and I'm warning the superintendents, get with the program or get out of the way. Mm. Because we're going to push this through whether you like it mm. or not. It's just the way it's going. And the teachers' union, same thing to you, babe. We're, we're coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. The time is now. The and the, the and uh, Sarah seems to be, from what I'm telling, taken from the caucus, the Republican caucus. She's all about this. This is one of the things she wants to push. I, Dave, I believe it's an idea whose time it's it, come. It, really yeah that's that's yeah. a cliche but but you know when, when bruce westerman was talking about it a lot of people were probably like eh, i don't know he was ahead of the wave well i think so and you know i personally have been talking about school choice for about 30 years now you've been talking about it a long time and so there are a lot of people that have been talking about it but i believe public opinion is 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 kind of catching up with that and uh people are looking at bruce westerman saying you know bruce you you were probably right about that you know i asked him about that (laughs) i asked him how's it feel now to be vindicated (laughs) and he says and and you you know bruce he's very humble very yeah he's he's, oh dave dave you know uh, i'm uh just serious i'm just being serious he's being the, the congressman's being vindicated right now yeah yeah so um but I, I think we um, we just have to be um, wise in how we go about this because yeah. there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, you, to see, it. here's the thing: a lot of lawmakers really listen long and hard to their local public school mm-hmm. superintendent, and I don't. I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. Superintendents are a constituent, you know, constituency, and school boards are, and all that. They need to really listen hard to what they have to say. But at the end of the day, Dave. Our legislature represents the people, not systems and bureaucracies and government entities and all that. And that's the hard part about for some lawmakers is to get past that and say, well, my superintendent says this is bad, but I think it's really good for my community and my kids and my grandkids and on. That's a great point. I had Mary Bentley on. Yeah. State Representative Mary Bentley. Mary Bentley is a tremendous, tremendous legislator. And I'm so glad she won her uh, primary. She doesn't have a, an opponent mm-hmm. in the general. Right. So she's back in, and right. I'm, I'm happy for that. But we were talking yesterday, and we were talking about teacher pay. Yeah. And here's what she said. The 10 years I've been in, Dave, I have voted every time that there's been a teacher pay issue, I have voted to raise the pay mm-hmm. of teachers. Yes. Yes. Here's what I found out. When it gets to the school system, they decide whether they're going to get a raise or not. And I'm sorry to say that has not happened. Well, and it's sad, Dave, that you can make a lot more money driving a truck for Walmart than you can teach in school Mm -hmm. in Arkansas. A lot more. Maybe double. Maybe double or more than double. And so I want to say, make this real clear. I was a school teacher myself for 11 years. School teachers are some of the most dedicated, hardworking folks that you'll ever find. 
I've done manual labor. I've driven a tractor on a farm. Let me tell you, school teaching is a harder job than lots of people believe that it is. Well, you go home and sit down and go, well, and now I just got a grade paper. Yeah, and people say, oh, well, you get off all summer or you only work. Right. Oh, my. I was work, I work 12-hour days a lot as a school teacher, and your summers are busy. Um you know, I never ever want to disparage good school teachers, which there are lots and lots of them out there, Correct. and they need to be taken care of as best we can. I agree, and but Mary Bentley makes a great, yeah, great point yeah. that it's the administrations that are sucking up that money. It's not they're not paying the teachers. Yeah, uh, they may be able to appropriate money for artificial turf at the football field. But I don't know about you know, if they're going to pay the teachers what they need. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I'm all for artificial turf, but I'm also for the teachers. So that's that's important things to keep in mind. And, uh, look, I look at superintendents, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't be paid, but I'm telling you, there's some superintendents here in the state of Arkansas make $150,000, $200,000 mm-hmm. a year. Um, makes you wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. Well, you know now, and then then then, then that's not counting. Okay, we're going to give you a, a free, uh, you know, membership at the country club mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. That's not even factored into it. And you know, if their school is hitting it out of the park. Maybe they deserve to be paid. Maybe quite a so. Bit. You know what I mean? I doubt uh, it, it, but maybe it, so. <laughs> but, but it's like the football coach. Hey, if you're winning all the games and they're going to pay you more, you're going to get paid more. And maybe we need some merit pay for uh, everybody out there. Ooh, you you know? said a dirty word. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Just like like we say, education savings account. I'll tell you a word that we used to use twenty years ago. That now, if I say it. They go, they throw their fingers up in the form of a cross. Voucher. Oh, my. Oh, my. You better Come you on. better just wrap this show up, David, <laughs> with that word. That's the, That may be the final word yeah, that needs to be said. That is the final word because i got to get out of here. Hey, tomorrow, Alan Kerr will be with me in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. You won't want to miss that. And uh, uh, Duck and, and Joe are going to be on as well talking about your car. First uh, half hour of the show, a gentleman by the name of you. Cash Chogubli is going to join us. He's the Vice President of American for Prosperity, CPI. We're going to talk about it. First half hour of the show. Don't miss it. You'll want to hear what he has to say here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Jerry, thanks so much for coming in. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm, it's my pleasure always. All right. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 a.m. See you here.